Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Um, let's, uh, let's pray. God, um, I pray you would give us your joy this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that um, whatever it is that we came here with, Father, um, the, the difficulties, the stresses, the life of the morning, I pray you would allow us to uh, set those down and, Father, experience you and your joy this morning. Um, God, I believe you want to give us your joy this morning. I believe you, wanna, you want us to, to look to you uh, this morning. And, and Lord, I, I just trust that that's true, and um, I give um, myself to you, and uh, I ask that you would just guide us into your presence this morning where we can find your joy and your peace. God, thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Um, One of the things that um, I want us to do in the course of this series is to, to think about a blank canvas, and it's uh, there's that behind you, um, behind me. Um, and, and as we read through and study through the Psalms, I want us to, to be looking for attributes or, or character traits or just general truths about who God is. And, um, and I also want to be a little bit interactive with that. If you guys turn around and, and look back there, there's a, a table that's set up with uh, there's four Sharpies that's back there and another one of the blank canvases. And on that canvas, I've written plentiful redemption. Um, plentiful redemption is uh, a phrase that comes from the, the psalm that we're reading today, Psalm 130. Um, but I also want to give it like this, that canvas, the hope is that would be um, used by you guys. That's why it's, there's a table and there's four Sharpies that are back there and if, if something like hits you and strikes you, it jumps off the page at you a, about an attribute, a character trait, a, a, a truth about who God is. And, and I don't think there's a, ever, there's not a better way for us to have the character and nature of God revealed to our hearts than in the Psalms. And so as we study these Psalms, the hope is these things will explode into our minds. And so what that's for is even during the sermon, if you feel like I just need to go write that down. Go and, and choose a color and get creative if you want to get creative or just, um, I'm not the most artful creative guy, so I've just written that in red. But if you want to get creative, do it. Um, horizontal, diagonal, whatever. Just at the end of, of these next 12 weeks, the middle of August, we're going to have a, a full canvas of just the, the attributes of God. So I want to Engage. So during response time, during the sermon, next week when you show up, if you've read a different psalm throughout the weekend, something jumped out of you, write it there. Um, and feel free to write it big. Feel free to write it small. Feel free to, to even, feel free to do this, to, to bring a, maybe a, a different, maybe you don't like the, the way that Sharpies write. Bring some paint. Um, bring some charcoal. Travis, I'm looking at you when I say that. Get creative. Um, be uh, the hope is that as a body of believers, we would come together and we would create this canvas that is exclaiming the the way that our people have engaged with the truth and character of God. Um, and 
plentiful redemption is something that I'm is studying that this this week has has drawn my mind to that. Um, so let's look at, at at our psalm, Psalm 130. I, I love the first few words here. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. So. I want you to see, I need you to see, at the beginning of this psalm is that the position that David proclaims where he is out of the depths. And as he continues to write this psalm and as he continues to proclaim these truths, he's, his position doesn't change. He is still where he is, where he is. The only thing that changes about David is his perspective. And so I want to say where you are in life in general, if it's happy, if it's sad, if it's frustrated, if it's perfect, if it's whatever, like the, the attributes of God meet you in the middle of that. And, and we're going to see some pretty astounding things in this, uh, in this psalm, but I want you to see at, at the start, um, David is in the depths and I want to remind us throughout the course of the sermon this morning that even when he's talking about forgiveness and even when he's talking about redemption, even when he's talking about steadfast love and even when he's talking about the, the, the greatness of God, he remains in the depths. And that, I think that's just, that's astounding for us that just the very nature and character of God can bring us, bring our mind out of the depths. So let's, let's look at some attributes of God. What are the attributes of God that are present here? Verse 2, he's listening and he's caring. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Um, let me just be third grade Sunday school to us for a second God's listening um, like it's so simple but it's so profound God is listening he and not just listening but he, he cares about your soul he cares about your joy he cares about your happiness he cares about your moments and he's listening all the time. Even when you're not saying dear God and stuff and then amen, God's listening to you, listening to your heart. Especially when it's out of the depths, when David is in the depths when he writes this psalm and, and he asks God to listen to him. Um, God is listening to you. Um, the Bible is full of stories where God's people were in trouble and they called out to him for help and listened. Moses, Noah, Paul, Jonah, Daniel, Jesus, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Joseph, Mary. Just, those are just a few that I came up with in 30 seconds of thinking about this. All throughout the Bible, it's every, every character in Scripture gets in trouble and they call out to God and he listens. God's listening, hearing your prayers. And I think our response is just to be real, to be honest with God. 
are, are you in a place where you can just be real and honest with God and tell Him where you are? The, but the, the second half of, of verse 2, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And I did a little bit of thought and, and study about this word mercy. Um, and it's really what David is doing here is calling on God to be gentle with him. Because of the position that he's in, God's calling him, God, David is calling God to be gentle with him. Be merciful to me is a call for God to deal gently with me because I'm in a tough, tough spot. So when we say God is, is mercy, understand that God is dealing with us gently. God is dealing with you gently. Um, allow your mind to chase that. Um, verse 3 and 4 is, uh, they're really powerful. We start talking about forgiveness, the forgiveness of God. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Um, the idea here is I know that I am responsible for where I am and I need you, God, to, to hold me, to, to, to not hold that against me. But I think that if you allow your mind to chase forgiveness, it teaches us that God is so infinitely other than us. I think that we, I think that I, and I think that you, I know that the people that I'm close to do this, that forgiveness is the forgiveness of God and how we understand it. We try to reconcile God's forgiveness with our ability to forgive. You follow that? Like, I know how I've been forgiven in my life by people, and I know how I've forgiven people in my life, and so I'm going to project that forgiveness onto God and how he, forgive, how he forgives me, I think, is how I forgive other people or how other people forgive me. But there's a... We, we, we feel like God is this sin bookkeeper, but he's not. We think he's always aware of the places that we failed, but he's not. Look, like, allow your mind to chase this idea. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? We stand in his presence, so therefore he can't mark iniquities. God does not mark your sin. He's not keeping track. And then think about the way that you forgive, or think about the way that people have forgiven you. I forgive you so long as you stop doing what you've been doing. Um, do you hold things against people? Probably your closest friends, maybe not. But what about those people who've really wronged you? And maybe aren't your friends anymore and you kind of hold something against them? Like that's the truth of what's happening there. And what I want to, like, I want you to, I would love for you to think about somebody in your life who you've held a record of their wrongs against you. 
And this is not a call to get you to forgive that person better. This is a call to get you to understand the complete otherness of what the forgiveness that God gives to you is. Consider that. Like, and, and then I had, this week as I was thinking about this, I was remembering a story. Uh, I was in youth ministry and we were at camp and I was talking to a guy, to a young, young guy, a, I think he was a junior, 17 years old. And uh, you could just tell that all week God was kind of messing with him a little bit. And uh, he came up after one of the services one night and said, like, I just can't come to grips with forgiveness. And how can God forgive me when I can't forgive me? He said that to me. And I was, I was young. I think I was like 23 years old. And I didn't know what I was. I, did, I was... I probably completely failed the kid. Um, I don't even know what I would say to him now if, if, if he said that. But again, this is not about our ability to forgive ourselves or our ability to forgive somebody else or somebody else's for ability to forgive us. The whole point that, I'm, that I want us to think about forgiveness is that God, is, God and his forgiveness is so completely other. And, and to rest in, in forgiveness, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. Um, the next piece, he, God listens, he cares, and he forgives, but he also steadfastly loves. Um, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. Um, his love whether or not God loves you is independent of you. Whether or not God loves you, because he is steadfast in his love, it's completely not dependent on you. The love of God is 100% dependent upon him, not 99 and 1. His love is completely and utterly, in every way, encapsulated in who he is. It's not in any way encapsulated in you or your ability to perform or your ability to do. It's completely and utterly encapsulated in who he is. You are steadfastly loved because his love is steadfast. We're going to sing a song in a little bit that... uh, folks from our church wrote many years ago, and the bridge says this, when my heart rejects, your love remains. When my mind doubts, your love remains. When I choose myself, your love remains, and you keep me with your love. His love doesn't change. It's completely and utterly encapsulated by who he is. Again, think about this idea. Two ideas that we're talking about from the beginning of this is that we've got a blank canvas and we're writing the nature and quality and attributes of God so that we can engage with him and know who he is and allow that to affect who we are. He listens, he cares, he's full of mercy, he's full of steadfast love. He forgives in a a way that's completely other than the way that we forgive. It's completely foreign to us. This is who God is. And 
as David is laying hold of these to write them down, to say them, to proclaim them, the place where David resides is this depths. He's in the depths. But he also redeems. With him there is plentiful redemption. That's what I wrote on the blank canvas back there. What does redemption mean? It means beauty for ashes. It means glory for mistakes. It means that he rights the wrongs. It means the broken are made whole. He redeems. So those are the attributes of God that I've that I've laid hold of from Psalm 130. There may be other things for you. Feel free to write them back there, write them in your journal, but engage with that of God. But what does this mean? I think what these attributes of God mean from Psalm 130 is that we need to wait and hope. Those are the the calls for us in Psalm 130. My soul waits for the Lord, verse 6, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. And then the end of it means, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Wait and hope. Um, These two words are based on in time. We have, you and I have a linear view of time. Um, And the the older I get, the less linear time becomes. Uh, I think of now... I'm 47 years old, so when I reflect on my my high school years, those are really just kind of a jumbled mess, and that's a season of life. It wasn't a a today, a yesterday, and tomorrow. It's just a a season of life. So the older I get, the less linear time becomes. Um, And and I think that maybe you're like that as as you're getting older. We talked about that this morning as we were were getting ready. It's Kelly's birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday to Kelly. She's uh, 39 today, and we're talking about the day you're going to turn 40. Um, and, and what that looks like and, and how when, you, when you're in your 40s, you kind of look back and, and just time just seems to be a, a, a period rather than it, like a, a season of time. And so time begins to get less linear and more uh, abstract. Um, and so, so we're, we're bound by time, but God is not bound by time. So if God is not bound by time, if God doesn't have a yesterday, a today, and tomorrow, and we can think about that as we we reflect on what our life was 20 years ago or 10 years ago, it's more of a a seasonal thing, we can begin to understand that God is not affected by time. And if God is not affected by time, how does that, what does that mean for words that reflect time, like wait and hope. If God, not bound by time, says to us, wait, what does that mean? If God, who is not bound by time, says to us, hope, what does that mean? Um, I think, go with me for a second here. Um, I'm going to give a, a sports metaphor, and I know some of you that's your, your, uh, your ticket to tune out for the next few minutes. But please, please stay with me because I think this, is, this really helps to paint this picture of, of waiting and hoping. Um, a few years ago, this happened. Abram, hit, hit those, those videos. Stay with me, please. Don't disconnect. Any sign of trouble, Caruso will get his bullpen busy. Good start to the inning for Garcia. 
He gets a pop-up with freeze. Young and Beltre against Salas and a pop-up. Which has been anything but routine tonight. Freeze drops it. Strike away. Leave that there, Abram. Oh, so again, please forgive the sports metaphor. Um, but I showed those first two where like he, he literally falls over like he just trips. And then the next one, the, the, the ball hits him on top of the head. And then he's the hero hitting that triple and then hitting the home run. And as, as we think about our linear timeline in life and we think about the mistakes that we've made and the mistakes that have been made against us and all of these, 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 the bad stuff that happens in our life. To wait and to hope in this context is like when we see this, we don't like, we remember David Freeze as like he's, he's a hero and like he plays for the Pirates now and he was in town last week and, and there's every time he comes up the bat, standing ovation happens because that's what we remember. That, that's the, the burning image in our minds, this triumph. But the fact is, like, a simple little pop-up who a, a fourth grader could have caught that ball, hit him on top of the head. It hit him on top of the head. It's ridiculous. It's just, it's silly. But this is the image that we see and we remember To wait and to hope is that. Like, Satan and and people in life want to throw at you the mistakes and the errors and the sin and the brokenness and the the mess-ups, the screw-ups of you. You want to do that to yourself. But the message of Psalm 130, the message of God, the nature of the character of God is for you to wait and hope and understand that it's coming. We, bound by time, have to wrestle with things like waiting and hoping. God, not bound by time, doesn't have to wrestle with waiting and hoping. Like, this is so incredible and so exciting. And, and think about, go back through the verse. Go back through the character and traits of God that we've had. God, be merciful to me. God's not bound by time. He's merciful to you in this moment dealing tenderly with you. He's listening to you in this moment, dealing tenderly with you. He's perfect. But we want to be bound by time, by the linear time that we experience and understand that this season, this time, this place, it sucks and I hate it. I don't want to be here. But God, not bound by time, sees the whole picture, sees the whole story, sees everything. He's an eternal being, created in eternity. You are an eternal being currently bound by your flesh and bound by this world. But forgiveness and mercy and redemption and steadfast love, they're all realities on 
on an unlinear timeline. That, that you can experience now in this moment. This is your God. He's revealing himself through nature and through life and mostly through the Psalms. And, and he's, he's here in front of you waiting for you. The Lord waits to be gracious for you. His love is steadfast. His redemption is full and plentiful. And, and as we come to grips with this absent of time God, yet intimate with our own, with, with the very nature of who we are, forgiveness comes to life, redemption comes to life, waiting and hoping. More than watchmen waiting for the morning, we wait for God. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your plentiful redemption. God, I... I ask you to come upon us and bring us your joy, Father. God, all of these things, your steadfast love, your mercy, your tenderness, your redemption, your forgiveness. God, these are all beautiful things that capture our hearts, capture our imaginations, Father, but but the point of them is that we might experience your joy. God, bring us your joy. God, may we not get lost in the weeds of life that we, that we miss the joy that you're setting before us. God, you have redeemed our lives from the pit. You have treated us with a tender compassion. You have listened to the voice of our pleas for mercy. You have steadfastly loved us. God, guide us this summer as we engage with your psalms, as we engage with prayer, as we engage with serving and discipling one another. God, allow us to see you as the purpose and the point and, and that we might experience your joy. Bring us your joy, O oh Lord. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.